This is the Soulfully Casual Podcast hosted by Matty Ice. And now, your host, Matty Ice. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Soulfully Casual Podcast brought to you by Matty Ice Media. As always, I'm your host, Matty Ice, and you know, this week has been interesting. Um, one of the things I think that ends up happening when I do a show like this, or just now that my creative juices have sort of been opened up over the last few months, I, I, I end up thinking a lot. And I think that's where most of the content for the show ends up coming from. Like, I get asked a lot, hey, how do you come up with all this content? Like, how do you do three episodes a week? Do you have people helping you? Or is there, you know, some type of a, a writing course that you've taken? And the quick answer to that is no. Uh, a lot of the content comes from my brain and it comes through interactions. And I mean that in the sense that the interactions are multifaceted. Interactions with, with people, conversations is where a majority of them come from. Because I think when you start to break down what you talk about with other people and the in-depth conversations you end up having with them, it spurs so many different uh, topics in your brain that you didn't even think to dive into a little bit more. And I think that's where the benefit of this show has come. One thing that has happened over the course of time since I started doing this is that I've learned to look to the past a lot more and relate that past to the future. And I think that's something that we don't do often enough because we spend so much time in the moment, um, you know, trying to get from point A to point B. And that doesn't really mean like getting into a car and go from point A to point B, I think it just means from point A to point B in our life, no matter what that is. And one of the things that has developed over just actually would say in 2021, because I started the show in August of 2020, but at the same time, you know, there was a lot of things going on in my life, still have a young baby at home, trying to figure out what I wanted to be in the podcast landscape. And I think that that takes a little bit of time to develop. Uh, you know, my technology got better, my ideas got better, and I think the motivation that I had also improved and got better, mainly because I have people in my life like my wife in Cleveland and, and other friends who are supporters of the show and who have, you know, encouraged me to continue to do more. And I've learned to look back. So the other day, Cleveland and I recorded a session for Cowboy Season, and that uh, dropped on Tuesday. Uh, and in, he said something in there, we talked for about an hour, and he said something in there that really stuck with me. And he talked about the different ways that he and I grew up and just how different our lives were. And not necessarily because he's black and I'm white, but it had to do with uh, our parents' influence on us and what our parents uh, did in order to basically, you know, encourage us to do different things. He was encouraged to do more than just academics. He was encouraged to do well in school, and he was encouraged to be athletic to embrace sports and that was something that while I was you know in, I was told to embrace sports and I mentioned that last episode about my youth and, and team sports that's re what it really was it was making sure that I understood those concepts of teamwork and, and so forth and that basically I made friends it was a social endeavor for my parents something to get me involved and ultimately I think they knew and I knew that I was not destined for the, the great heights I was not destined for the pros in any level and but he said something about the neighborhood and about how when he was growing up each street or like each block had some neighborhood sports team basically because the kids in the neighborhood 
you know, banded together and created this team that would have competitions against the other neighborhoods and the other streets. And that neighborhood competition was a layer to their his development in terms of friendships, in terms of you know community, and his his sports. And that got me to thinking about this idea of your neighbor and community. And I think that so much of that has changed over time. I'm 38 now, and I think I'm of that generation that still remembers what it was like to have neighborhood friends on the regular. Now, one thing I should note is that I lived in a suburban neighborhood. So I, you know, we, I lived in a small town. It was a suburban neighborhood and it was a pretty densely packed suburban neighborhood. Like the houses were fairly close together. And I also grew up in a neighborhood where there were kids that were relatively in my age range. And we're talking like one to three years on either side. And that is a huge benefit to the point that I had some sort of a friend or some kid relatively in my age group that I could do something with. And a lot of times, I, I think I even said this on Cowboy Season, that the, a kid playing basketball, right, the, the, the sound of the dribbling basketball would almost be like the ice cream truck. Um, you know, that, that would, the kids would come running and that's what it was. And while we didn't have neighborhood competitions, the way that Cleveland remembers it, I do remember playing a lot of sports. I do remember having that idea of a community around me, of, of that semblance of a, a group that I could identify with. And we have stories. I would bet that if all of those people, all of those kids who are now adults today got together and talked about the times in our neighborhood, we probably would have tons of stories that we would reminisce about. And I thought about the first friend I think I ever made. And this may not be true, but I'm going to give him credit. And I, I hope he's listening. Justin, uh, if you are listening, I remember you as one of my first friends. And when I think back on my past, when I think back on being a little kid and growing up, uh, hanging out with you was one of the most influential things of my of my youth. I learned music from you. I learned to love wrestling with you. You know, we we did silly things together, like making a music video to that crisscross song. I think it was Jump. And all of those happened when I was so young. And even so, you and I grew up very differently. Our parents were very different at the time, but they became friends. And it was the first time when I think back that I think I understood what an idea of like your neighbor and a community was because there was a kinship between our parents, there was a kinship between us. And even though we have grown older and moved on to different things, we still talk every now and again. And we always go back to those moments because they were indelible. They were something that were was instilled in us. And we remember those times because nobody could take that away from us. And I think about the kids today. Um, I don't see nearly as many kids playing outside the way that I did when I was a kid. Now, my neighborhood, there are kids that play, and I find that refreshing because most of the neighborhoods that I've lived in or, you know, people that I know who live in suburban neighborhoods the way I do still, uh, they don't see that as often. And you talk to parents either of teenagers today or even of young children, and the social elements of being a child has changed so much. And that is because the world has changed so much. Our, we, the adults, have changed the way that we socialize. So I'm gonna give you some examples, but I'm also gonna put a positive spin on it because I don't think it's a dire situation. I think there's always a silver lining and another way that you can look at it from a positivity standpoint. Growing up, um, you know, like I said, I had a neighborhood, a kinship with people. And living in a small town, um, you know, we had the benefit of knowing a lot about other people's lives. 
Um, today, I don't think we have that. And one thing you hear today is about how kids don't have the social skills the way that they used to. And I think that is true to an extent. Now, we, the adults, have kind of set that example for them. The advent of the iPhone, and I know that there were smartphones technically with like Blackberries and so forth, but I think if we're going to put a, like a, a watermark, if you will, on the technology uh, boom as it comes with, you know, information in our hands, I think the iPhone is really um, where it started because that was the first phone that was really high access. And that access has caused so many things to be different. And the smartphone, the iPhone, caused the advent of apps. And now Facebook and Instagram, uh, Reddit, other places like that, they're all at our fingertips. And what have those platforms caused us to be? Those platforms have caused us to be antisocial, despite the fact that they're called social media. It's sort of an oxymoron. Like, I don't know how often we think about that. When we are taught what an oxymoron is in school, we hear about jumbo shrimp. But social media is almost an oxymoron because it's not as social as it's made out to be. And I think that's the evolution of it. I, I think as, as it has grown and, and, and it evolved, it has become something much different. Um, take, for example, you know, all of the, the keyboard warriors out there who are willing to say anything and everything to somebody, no matter how vile, no matter how hurtful, and no matter how insensitive and just completely tone deaf. And there's no consequences for it, right? You don't have to worry about the kid in the neighborhood that you made fun of coming looking for a receipt. And that's one thing that Cleveland and I had to deal with, where if you made fun of the bigger kids in your neighborhood or the bully in your neighborhood, you had to physic not, you know, physically deal with them. They were in your neighborhood. You there were consequences to saying things you shouldn't. Same with the adults. If I ever talked back to an adult, there were consequences. But on social media, and I think of Twitter, there are young kids talking to grown adults with no respect. And I just did not grow up that way. You know, I just, I did not grow up um, thinking that I could just do whatever I want and talk to whomever I wanted to. And I think that has bled down to the kids now because even when I go out in public, which these days is very rare, but the adult interaction is so much different. Uh, people are always kind of on edge looking for some kind of a fight and I don't subscribe to that. I feel like we should be trying to find the positivity between us because there are connection points that we all have. And, you know, the kids today are not really getting a good example of that. We're, we're shown how, showing how divided we are and then we're expecting our kids to to want to you know be, be together all the time. And then there's just other things like video games right? Television, so much content out there. Uh, busy parents. And it's not a fault of any parents, but you know, working parents have a lot to juggle. And yes, you make a choice to have kids, but being a working parent is juggling a full-time job and a full-time parent. And kids take up a lot of work. And it is tempting to take, you know, the, the shortcut, the easy path, because you just want your kids to, you know, be quiet or, you know, play by themselves so you can get a few moments of peace. And by extension, you know, we're sort of putting them in places to an extent where we are taking away that social aspect of it. We're not being social with them. And so therefore, how are we going to expect them to know how to be social with others? And I think it just keeps cascading to that point. 
but I don't think it's a dire situation. Just because the kids in the neighborhood don't play the way that I played doesn't mean that the concept of community is lost on us. And here's an example. I actually think that if you find communities within social media, that they can be beneficial. A good, a good, I think, example is when, so my wife, when she was trying to figure out what to do with nursing and, you know, a newborn at home, a lot of people talked about these support groups that were online. They were like Facebook groups. And especially in the pandemic now where you're doing everything virtually, having the uh, ability and the outlet to be able to talk to people, at least in text, not necessarily in person, but in text to uh, commiserate hear stories about it and I talked about that in my episode about being in Weight Watchers and how cathartic that was of hearing stories that other people told because I now wasn't going through this alone and there's a sense of community right um I, I look at the replica sneaker market I talked about that a few weeks ago those people are so helpful it truly is a community we call ourselves rep fam and that sounds silly like how could you be a family with somebody that you don't know just today my Instagram messages have been lit up and you know how many people I've helped get something that they want and then they come back to me and say, you know, I really appreciate you taking that time. They've never met me. I've never met them, but I have been able to help them through a sense of community, through being able to help somebody get, you know, get something, instill some knowledge, something like that. Those things are priceless. We have the ability to do that every day. And then there's the idea that it takes a village. And I, before I had kids, I balked at that. And I said, that's so, so dumb. Like, what does that mean? It's just a cliche that we throw out. And while I don't think parenting in and of itself requires other people to help you, I do think that the idea that your community around you being helpful and giving you the ability to be a good parent because there are people around you to lean on is valid. For instance, you know, we have help in watching our son. My in-laws help us with that, and we are eternally grateful for that. But they do much more than that, too. They teach our son when we're not with him the things that they know are important to us because we're a family, and by extension, we are supporting the family. They know what they want, you know, like they, they know what we want from our son and what we want our son to see as an example, and they live that with him every day. That is one way to do it. We have friends that are, are like that. You know, if, if we could see as many friends as possible, I, those friends would know what is important to us and they would show that by example. That's a community, right? That's helpful. And I think you can even find community in the smallest of ways. I mean, think about the communities that you keep, the company that you keep. As we get older, we become so much more selective in who we want around us. When we're kids, we are just happy to have other kids around us. And we develop into teens and it becomes a different social aspect. And I, I want to say I talked about that, um, you know, about parenting at some point about how our kids need us differently and look at us differently. But they, the needs of other people, you know, become something that's dominant for them. As your child becomes a teenager, they're looking for validation. They're looking for validation from other people. Their community becomes the people that will see them as cool and validate their existence. I can't tell you how often I see that in the aforementioned replica sneaker uh, realm, where these high school kids don't want to be called out for wearing something that's quote unquote fake. They're looking for that validation. The reason that they're buying the shoe is not because they you know, 
want to or I, maybe it's not the same as me but there's a difference i don't want to wear it because i want people to recognize me i want it because i'm frustrated that the market has made it so that i can't get it needlessly but they want that validation they want to be seen in the hottest shoes and they want people to recognize them as real even if they're not they're looking for that validation from them and as we get older we go into college our circle opens up even wider because now we're alone, we're sowing our oats, we are out in the world for the first time, or what we think is the world for the first time, and we're just looking to expand our horizons in as many ways as possible. And what does that mean? Expanding our circles as wide as possible. When I was in high school, I think I had like four friends, and I had a, f a group of like three friends in college, really. But the, con the amount of people that I hung out with, it circulated year to year. There'd be some people that I would hang out with a lot in one semester, others in another. I still had that core group of friends, but anybody and everybody was welcome because you're just looking for that social connection. You're sowing your oats. You're trying to figure out what sticks. And then when you get into the workforce and you're in your 20s, it's kind of a mixture of both. So for me, you know, I partied really hard in my 20s, especially my late 20s after I got a job because I could afford to do it, right? But I also met a ton of people. It, it actually, I think when I... I never made this connection until right now. So you're hearing like breaking uh, therapeutic news here on Socially Casual. But um, I think it reminded me so much of my neighborhood back home because I met so many people at my workplace when I started a new job that were my age or right around my age and who were all in the same place in their life, starting their careers, um, you know, young and uh, just looking for fun, looking to, to live their life and kind of decide who they are and figure it out. And I really dove headfirst into it, and it was awesome. I mean, I had no regrets. Um, I gained a lot of weight, and that's what, and that caused a lot of problems. But the people that I met was just incredible. I met so many people, and I think it did remind me of the neighborhood, having a bunch of people that I could lean on at some point in time to go out with or have some fun with and just be happy with, right? And it was. It was a happy time. And then as I got older, and I think this happens to a lot of people, like they hit the magic age of 30 and all of a sudden I don't want to stay up past nine o'clock, <laughs> right? I, I, I become what feels like an old person, but I've noticed, and I'm almost 40 now and it's gotten even smaller that the people that I choose to be around, the community that I've chosen to keep has become smaller and smaller because it becomes about quality, not quantity. And I think that that in and of itself is a way that community is fostered. You decide who you want as a part of your community. Just because we don't talk to our neighbors the way that we used to, and there's probably people listening who do, and I'm not saying that it never happens, but I've lived in my neighborhood for five years, almost five years, and we really don't know our neighbors. But then again, all of our neighbors are retired, and we're not. We are the youngest people in the neighborhood, at least in our little cul-de-sac. So. It's not like, I guess if there were a lot of young, younger people or people our age, it'd be a little bit different, but um, we're just in a different phase in our life. But um, just because we don't talk to our neighbor, the concept of our neighbor is, is universal. You can help your neighbor in many ways. You can donate. You can help somebody when you see them fall down, pick something up for somebody if they've dropped it, whatever it is. But our community, the people we decide to keep around us, our inner circle is selective and it's special and when we think about it and we have a, a value system that allows us to keep that right to keep that intact um you you end up realizing that your village is built around you and it's built very specifically 
and it helps you get to where you need to be. And as we get even older, our village changes, our community changes, but we never really lose that concept. And I think that overall, young people will, will get it because they will hit a certain point in time where it is important to not just have a lot of people, but to have the right people around us. And that's one of the things I've done in this last year. 500,000 people are now deceased because of COVID. Um, you know, many things have gone on in the last year, good and bad, lots of good for me. So uh, there's no pity party here whatsoever. I do not feel like I'm unfortunate in any way. One of the things I have been fortunate enough to, to do is really know who those people are. They don't have to live in my neighborhood. They don't have to live even a neighborhood over. There's people in Georgia. There's people in Massachusetts. There's people in Texas. And just anybody that I have forged a real connection with over the years, and we don't even have to talk regularly. But just because we don't talk regularly doesn't mean that I don't feel a connection with you in some way or another. There are people that have made an indelible impression on my life, and I'm sure they have in yours. That's the community that we have. That is the neighborhood team that goes and plays another team. We're just not necessarily living in the same neighborhood, but we're all out for the same thing. We're all out to be good people. We're all out to better ourselves. And in the end, that community, that village is going to help, uh, help us not just raise children, but I think raise good people even in adulthood. So um, that's just what was on my mind this week. It's been a really, really, um, you know, cold week here, but that allows me to be inside and, and drink a lot of coffee and think about what I'm going to do for the show. I just want to say before I get out of here, uh, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for connecting with me and telling me things that are good, things that are bad. This is a passion project for me. I'm hoping to build a community, a village through this show. And you can do that by listening, keeping, supporting, sharing, also connecting. So email soulfully.casual at gmail.com. Um, Instagram, Soulfully Casual Podcast. And as always, you can find all of your content of Maddie Ice Media on www.maddieicemedia.com. It's been a pleasure talking with you this Wednesday. Be safe, be happy, and I'll see you all down the road.